You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. WA. This is the World Football Programme. My name's Sean Kelly. I will be with you for the next two hours until Lenny comes in with the Jazz Show. Thanks to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful Celtic Ramblings programme. Great to have some live music in the studio as well. A couple of very talented musicians there and uh, always good way to start the morning for me. All right, in the studio with me today, I have the one and only Peter Skeeler. Good morning, Pete. How are you? Fantastic. How are you doing? Yeah, brilliant, mate. I see a nice little bit of news for you in, in the week. You, you got to cross off a bucket list item playing in the same team as your boy in the indoor. That's right. That's right. So I've always wanted to get him, you know, into a game with me. And yeah. I can say it's been done now. I'm I'm getting a bit too old. So I'm sure at some point the ACL will go or something and I'll have to retire. But at least I can say it's happened before that happened. Yeah, I was a dad very young and it made it a lot easier to play on, on a couple of games with, with my boys along the way on, on the full pitch in yeah. a couple of games. So it was really good. No, I don't know about that. I know that's like it's really good for you. All right, we've got a, a good show coming up today. We're going to start off with someone who's been in the news a lot this week uh, in Tony Sage. It's always good to talk to Tony because he's, he's not shy. <laughs> No, no, he certainly hasn't held back with um, with his opinions on the um, PFA and the yeah. the current situation with the A League and the glory. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot, lot of questions, more questions than answers. I think. Absolutely, yeah. And then, as a contrast, we're going to talk to Christor Hansen, who is the president out there at Belia Spirit, which is a a small grassroots club. Um, just you know, honest. Yeah. Junior club, try, just trying to get kids out there playing football. I think there's, sometimes we forget. 
that the game, that's what the game is about. It's just about how they're kicking a bit of leather around and having some fun and, you know, that's what they do out there well. And it's a nice little ground there too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right in the middle of the suburb. They've got a lake right next to it. Absolutely. Nice and then we're going to talk to Gregor Hart, who is the head coach at Ashfield. Um, very young team out there and, and a very young coach. So we'll, we'll talk to him about that and the, the perception that you have to have been, um, you know, a wily old person to, to become a coach. And, yep. and for some of those players, I mean, they've got 16 year old, uh, 16 year old goalkeeper who's a captain in one game. I don't think there's been a 16 year old captain for a first team in the first division ever, but you know, could be wrong. Um, and then we're going to finish it off with Derek Pollock, who is our man in the know for all things EPL, European football. Yep. We're going to look to the, the latest machinations of the transfer market because there's been a couple of, Big moves in there in the last couple of weeks. So we'll yep. just catch up with those. All right, in other news, former Glory custodian um, Danny Vukovic. Yes. yes. COVID-19. Has, has tested positive for COVID, so yep. wishing him all the best. Absolutely, a speedy recovery. Now, before uh, the show, we were having a quick chat about what's going on out there, and you know, I said, I'll talk to you about something in news. I'm not really normally a fan of marketing, but I think this is absolutely marketing gold, marketing magic at its best. <laughs> um, I don't know if you're aware of Stevenage. Oh, I've heard the name. It's, it's somewhere in a England. Team right at the very bottom of the fourth level of I- English football. And um, Burger King had this wonderful idea. Someone in the market, some genius in their marketing department went, we should sponsor their shirt. Okay. Uh, and they went, why? Well, if we get the name on their our sponsorship on their real shirt, we can get the sponsorship on their shirt in FIFA. <laughs> then yeah. what we do is we set up a championship with Burger King Championship where what you have to do is, is assemble the best team you can in the game mode. Yeah. So you bring in Ronaldo and Messi and all those people and they all play for Stevenage. <laughs> And then you post goals of them, uh, post pictures of them, banging goals in for Stevenage. <laughs> 250,000 goals got posted. <laughs> they were the most played team in game mode yeah. in FIFA. <laughs> now, do you think Burger King could have afforded to have gone to a sponsorship deal with Messi? No, no, of course not. It's absolutely gold. It's genius. Now, not only <laughs> had they done that, they sold out of club shirts. It's never happened to Stevenage ever in their history, but they have sold all their club shirts. I just, for me, that just does it for me. I think that's just brilliant. You know, it's funny. Why didn't I think of that category? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, what, what a fantastic thing to do. I mean, my first thought is, well, maybe they could do something like that with the glory as well, but I guess that would clash with the Live Lighter campaign sponsorship and everything, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I just, uh, probably one of those things you could only do the once, but they, oh, yeah. they picked up the shirt sponsorship for pay peanuts yeah you know and then in in the 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 light or the online game they've got Lionel Messi running around <laughs> in their shirt <laughs> it's just it's it's beyond genius yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely what a, what a wonderful thing to do um talking to sponsorships uh Matildas have uh now got a partnership with Capri's oh do they yeah oh, fantastic yeah, I think that'd be good. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's good to see the women getting getting the sponsorships that they have earned and deserve. Definitely, so. definitely. And also, while we're on the subject of sponsorships, Qantas has ended their uh, sponsorship deal with the Wallabies. They yep. they've cut off cash for cricket and soccer. Although I'm 
although they're saying they will still support it with flight, uh, support cricket and soccer with flights and whatnot. So yeah. the exact details, I guess, to be determined. But I guess they're they're feeling the pinch from the COVID more than anyone else. Well. Look, anyone sponsored by an airline will will struggle, I'd say, because yeah. they, they are that's a problem for them. So yeah, definitely, it's going to be an issue. And look, where the money's going to come from in football is going to be problematic coming into the future. So yeah, I think that's going to be a a massive, massive thing for us. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, there's been all those news of the exits over the the last week or so from the glory. Uh, Tommy Masella going, which is a shame because I. Thought he was, yeah. the The latest list I've got is eleven players contracted and five uncontracted. Yeah. If you're looking for the good news, um, Bruno Fornaroli is still technically contracted, although yeah. his word he looks to leave. Um, D'Agostino and Economides are still contracted, so yeah. there's there's good news for as a Glory fan. Uh, uh, Jake Brimmer, who I thought was absolutely fantastic um, post COVID. Yeah. Uh, he was he was a real star. I thought like before then. He was the sort of player that at the end of the game I'd be like, oh, oh, was he on the pitch? I didn't notice him. You know, not not bad as such, just I just never noticed him. Uh, uh, for but, for yeah, me, he, he blew, was, he he blew was hot and cold. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he post-COVID, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, him as well, yeah. who, who got a couple of crackers for us post-COVID. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we haven't got enough for a full team yet. <laughs> well, we'll, talk, we'll talk after the break with, with Tony, but um, I think, you know, there's – one of the things that Glory fans always ask for is a West Australian side with West Aussies in it. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, if you're looking at what's going on, then this is a great time for someone like Richard Garcia to take the, the kids at the better end of that into the A-League. Yeah. And if it means we, we spend two, three, four years at the bottom, bottom half of the table, the fans have got to be patient. Yeah. I would hate to be stood there with a team full of West Australian kids Next to people going, oh, no good, they're not good enough. We need to get some foreigners in. Yeah. Because they've, they've spent so long bagging people for, for bringing in quality and now we're at the other end of it. And then when you look at Popper's kids, Popper's kids both played international level yeah. for Australia. Yeah. Yeah. They're not mugs. I, I actually they got thought his out. kids were, were fantastic. I know. They, I, they certainly deserve to be. If their last name wasn't Popovich, um, I would have had no problem with them being on yeah. the team whatsoever. Um, and, and talking and to Popper. No would have. Yeah. Um, seems to be having like a bit of a an Aussie exodus to Greece. Exactly. <laughs> I've seen that as well, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, look, good on you, me. He obviously rates the players, but um, yeah. we'll see what happens. All right, we're going to go to a break and we'll be back after this with Tony Sage. a junior trainee at Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. I am the fourth generation of our family business. Oswest Fencing is built on 50 years of experience, creating unique fencing and gates and servicing the West Australian community. Let us help you secure and refurbish your home or business with customised materials and automation made to laugh. Ring us on 9258 6822 to discuss your ideas or visit our online galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's West Coast Futsal Association has social competitions at Hollywood Futsal Club in West Perth 
and the Mount Lawley Futsal Club. Competitions are open for new players looking for a kick around with mates from Monday to Friday. For those looking at high level futsal, there is the Junior Leagues in Karanjap on weekends and the male and female Superliga competitions based in Subiaco. For more information, contact Brittany on 0481 881343. All right, Pete, they say that um, there's no such thing as bad publicity, but um, someone have a very good perspective on that in the last <laughs> week will be our next guest, who is Tony Sage. Good morning, Tony. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Um, I've, I've copped all the bullets all week. Yeah, how are you going within yourself? Because uh, I know um, from a, a club situation I've been in recently that you get one or two people that are prepared to stand up and, and take the heat and everybody else just stands back and goes, ah, they're good at it. But they don't take into consideration the the mental stress that puts on that person and the impact it has on that person. So, you know, I'm just interested, you, you, you're coping okay? Oh, look, it's been difficult. I won't tell a lie, but, um, you know, um, in the end, uh, I think people realised the passion I have for the club and I want it to survive. And the way to, to make it survive is to, to, to be honest. Um, and I'm being honest, I can't uh, afford at the moment the way that the income flows come in to, to run the club uh, the way it was being run before. I mean, mm. I've yeah. taken a 70% hit in my um, income. And I think as owners, we were very generous with the players and offering a 30% uh, pay cut. And for the union to put out a... Uh, a um, questionnaire to their members, would you like a 5%, 10%, 15%, 20%, 25% or 30% cut? Every Australian, including me, would have ticked 5%. Yeah, yeah. Now, the question yeah. should have been, given these times and given how much the club owners have uh, lost, uh, do you think 30% is a reasonable uh, percent cut, like the AFL, uh, Super Rugby mm. and uh, the NRL? Well, that well, was the question we wanted to go out. Do you think that a 70% cut was fair on you? Oh, look, yeah, well, I had no choice. That's <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I've got, yeah, I've got no choice in the matter. I've, it's dropped. I mean, the, the FFA dropped our distribution by uh, 50%. Yep. Um, and uh, at the moment, I can't sell a membership ticket because we haven't got a fixture and we don't even know how teams can come into WA, um, quarantine for 14 days, play Perth Glory, then leave again. That was going to be that was going to be my very next point. I think as a, as an owner, and and this is for the same for all clubs. You you've got at the moment you've got no idea when the competition's going to start. You have no idea whether or not it's going to be home and away or a hub. You have no idea about um, a TV deal and what that's going to be worth. And as a business, how can you? project your forecast income mm. before you can even start to work on what you can afford to, to spend on players. It's, it's ludicrous to me. Yeah, look, it is. And, and uh, what I don't get is, um, for example, one of the biggest companies that dropped, I think, 15,000 staff quanters. I mean, Alan Joyce doesn't seem to get the bullets. No. Um, yeah. You know, Maya did it. Everyone else has done it. And I, I just don't get it. And I think uh, they're comparing me to the other clubs. But, you know, if you look at... Um, um, Melbourne City, for example, they're owned by the Abu Dhabi City Group. Uh, that's worth um, $160 billion. And you've got um, three uh, Chinese owners of other clubs. You've got uh, a fairly wealthy British guy that owns another club. You've got a Russian guy that owns, a uh, very wealthy Russian guy that owns uh, 
uh, Sydney, they're in a different financial situation than uh, some of the smaller clubs like Adelaide, like Newcastle, like um, Central Coast. So there are, there are different types of, uh, uh, of owners as well, and that's why each owner has done something different. But in the end, we are not going to be any different to Melbourne City. If Melbourne, uh, Melbourne City have uh, not paid their payers 50% of their salaries uh, this month, I paid everyone up to the Monday, right, which is mm-hmm. about 70%. So I paid actually more to my players, which isn't been reported, than Melbourne City did and Sydney FC did. Well, they only paid 50%. I, I did read somewhere in very small print that you had actually been one of the the, the best payers for players in the league to date. Mm. Uh, and that, yeah. Yeah, it was no credit given for that whatsoever. But I think, you know, I come back to this point of it being a business. And, and as much as we're very, very fortunate because we've got a, an owner who is a fan first, you know, the, the other businesses will, will, at some point, Man City will look at that and go, it's just not worth it. And they'll, and they won't be compassionate about it at all. They won't, they won't pump their family's inheritance into the, the club to keep it running. And they won't worry about who it gets sold to, yeah. you know, and they're, they're the things that the point of difference for you is you care. Look, I do care and, uh, I want Perth Glory to survive. I mean, some clubs in this league haven't survived, as we know. I mean, since mm. the A League's Started to seeing six clubs that have gone bankrupt. Two have gone disappeared completely: Gold mm-hmm. Coast and North Queensland Fury. Yep. And yeah, I know those, um, especially the North Queensland Fury guy, the owner. He pumped in eleven million dollars, and you know he doesn't even get a pat out on the back out yeah. now as he leaves uh, the, the door. They took his license away because uh, of TV revenue. Um, you now the poor guy, and he, he was so passionate about football. Clive Palmer was a different animal, uh, but he still did pump a lot of money, and I congratulate him for that. Nathan Tinkler is the same. Yeah, he yeah. pumped a lot of money into the Newcastle Jets. Uh, like so, like them or not, they reached into their pocket and they put the money on yeah, the table and right. made it happen. Anyone, any yeah. money, anyone, uh, each person though, has a different motivation. Now, Clive, uh, sorry, uh, Nathan Tinkler, great guys. Uh, um, he loved rugby league, but the Jets were going under, and he just wanted to rescue it for the town. He loves Newcastle. Yep. Yeah. That's why he did it. So he wasn't a passionate football fan, but he was a passionate New, uh, uh, Newcastle man, and that's why he did it. Now, so, talk- you know, you, you feel, feel for these guys, but you you know, the way that the media, uh, not not you at all, I mean, your, your interview's been great so far, <laughs> but most of the media just go to the negatives. Uh, yeah. With, and with, I was flagged off by um, a, a SBS commentator the other night. And, yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I listened to it myself, yeah. Yeah, and but if you looked at the um, uh, the responses, I think there was about eighty percent against it. What yeah. you said, yeah, right. Uh, on my Facebook page and uh, the Glory Facebook page, ninety seven percent of the fans are, are, are actually backing me, which is what makes me feel good. Yeah, because yeah. we we know that you'll look after the club. Um, talking of things we don't know about the the Asian Champions League, we've got some fixtures, but no venues and. Mm. Um, and probably at the moment we don't even have enough players, but, um, you know, have you been told anything about that at all? Look, it's a dog's breakfast. Um, yeah. What's happened at the Western Hub has been absolutely horrific. Uh, one whole team got um, got infected yep. with COVID, um, so that competition now has been put on hold. I think the problem is getting a host nation where all the other countries can go to, and that's been the biggest problem. So... No one's really uh, able to say if it's Malaysia, everyone can go into Malaysia and play. Mm. Um, so, look, I, I, 
uh, I'm a betting man, and I bet that uh, they might have to postpone. I hope they don't cancel it. Uh, that's going to be another big impost on the club if they have to actually cancel the, the competition. I hope it, it goes ahead. My my wish is for it just to restart in uh, late February uh, with the competition and this year's uh, participants get somehow uh, put into it as well. I mean, yep. there's only going to be a few extra clubs that can do it. So they can, like, combine the two years. Yep. Yep. Um, that's what my hope is. Uh, we've put that suggestion forward to see, see what happens, but... Uh, I can't see it starting in November. No, absolutely not. And then if you, you're not included, then there's compensation packages that we would mm. all claim for because you've obviously spent a lot of money um, in the preparation for the ACL. So, you yeah, know, we spent a lot of money. The, and, and, you know, we, we've yeah. taken in some sponsorship. We had fantastic support from the yeah. West Australian Government. So thank them very much. And they're disappointed as well, obviously, because uh, there's going to be some big teams coming to Perth. Yeah, uh, yeah. The fans that bought the Champions League tickets, we're still on hold with them. Uh, you know, so that'll, that'll be... Uh, That's all right, Tony. That I, I trust you. You can hold on to mine for as long as you like. Yep, me too. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and Pete here bought a shirt, and, and it looks magnificent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great shirt. And again, uh, that was due to the state government, and, and they really did support us and um, on, on, and again, I keep, I can't keep on saying thank you very much. And they're helping us out during the COVID uh, on the rent uh, situation that uh, uh, at HBF, which is fantastic. So yeah, we're getting a, a good amount of support from the from the government on this. Yeah, absolutely. But you, when we talk about support, the the A League owners now are, are running the A League. Um, what sort? Well, of- that, that's incorrect. A lot of people yeah. think that. Um, it hasn't happened yet. It was supposed to happen at the end of March. Then it got postponed till the end of June. Yeah. Um, so the, we, we, we haven't. So the FFA have run it. The only thing that the FFA has said is the CBA negotiation was going to be done by the owners. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the only thing. At the moment, the whole league is still owned and run by the FFA. Yeah. We hope to have a solution to that before Christmas. Yeah. And hopefully from January 1, we will own the league. It might be earlier. If there's a breakthrough in negotiations, I'm not on the committee doing the breakthrough or doing the negotiations, but we do have an owners meeting every few days to, to keep us informed. And it looks like uh, the FFA will allow an independent A-League to start. Now, when that start date is, we don't know. Uh, sooner the better because everything's up in the air at the moment. And the other, the other owners are supportive of your, your stance there, Obviously, standing quietly in the background, but they're quite happy for you yeah, to carry 100%. that shield and 100%. that sword and fight. No, a hundred percent. So, so what will happen? My players will not miss out on one cent on the what's finally agreed. So, I think three clubs have already done uh, private arrangements with the players without the PFA. Yeah. Um, and it all comes down to that thirty percent cut. So, even if I stand my players down till the end of October and start paying them full pay, not even one it ends up being a 30% um, deduction uh, for the rest of the year. Yeah. So all clubs are unified on that point, 30%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I suppose that there's so many unknowns. I mean, we, we've seen what happened in Melbourne with the second wave, um, and all it will take is another one of those, and we've got another year of either playing out of hubs or whatever. Do, do you think the clubs can survive that? If, can the game survive it? I mean, the FFA's in, in a lot of trouble as well. Yeah, look, I don't think it can without um, players and the owners coming to an agreement. It, it definitely won't if, if this impasse goes longer. But as I said, three clubs have, with full rosters have already had their agreement with players. 
without the PFA. So that means no collective bargaining agreement. So I think that will happen. I think out of the uh, 15 signed signed players we've got, I think 11 or 12 will sign uh, under, um, even even under the stand down. Um, My CEO and the new coach um, is, uh, Richie, is doing a very good job talking to the players. So they will have that sorted out, and by the end of hopefully by the end of next week, uh, we'll be able to announce hopefully a stand up or uh, the contracts being signed anyway. No, oh, that'd be great. Now, look, great appointment with Richie as, as coach, and I think there's you know starting to be a, a time where we could probably look at a a larger West Australia component in the team, and I think lots of people will be quite happy to see that, even if it means we're not at the the top end of the league for a little while. Yeah, look, oh, Richie's uh, been fantastic uh, as a, and he's learnt a lot under Popper. I mean, he's been there two years, remember, yeah. since his playing days. So um, he heads up our academy, um, and uh, he knows every one of the young players. And he said, Tony, we've got two or three young players uh, that are ready um, to come up, uh, and uh, he's excited about the future. Um, he knows a lot of people being in the Australian team and overseas, so. He's already, uh, looks like we'll have a full contingent of four or five foreigners. He's got an excellent relationship with Castro. I, I do too. Um, so I, I think, uh, I'm not saying 100%, but I think uh, he'll he'll stay. Um, so uh, that's good. Um, and, um, you know, even though what's happened in the past has happened in the past, he's still, if you look at the... Um, Alex Tobin Awards and the uh, Johnny Warren Awards. He was second and he missed eight games. Yeah. yeah. Now, look, he's a terrific player and I think there's been a, a lot of mischief-making in, in the mainstream media about your relationship with him. And I, I remember the SBS journalists making some some comments about deportation that really I, I thought were quite distasteful. Yeah. Yeah, look, uh, 100%. Uh, Diego and I get on very, very well. Um, and uh, we've not had words uh, for a month or so, but uh, we've not spoken about this issue. Uh, we're letting it, letting it play out in the press. What I got really upset about was that SBS um, article insinuating something, and I just wanted to, to, to get the rec- record straight um, about what happened. And, um, you know, I understand Diego's feelings. I mean, this was his uh, swan song the last season and a half, and, you know, he... He's a very proud man, and the way he was spoken to at that meeting obviously wasn't. Uh, uh, I wasn't in the meeting, uh, but the way he was spoken to, his reaction was understandable. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I accept that. Um, and I think um, now that Richie's there, being Spanish speaking as well, um, uh, he's smoothed over the waters, and we'll see what happens. But I, I'm, I'm hopeful that I will get his uh, signature for next season on a reduced. Uh, pay and is coaching something he's considering or is it something he's no i don't think so no uh, i think um with the situation obviously obviously it helps uh first glory with the situation in spain with the second wave etc yeah uh, i don't think there's a great hurry in want him wanting to get back to 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 spain as well i mean europe is now going through that i mean even in yeah. england at the moment with uh, boris johnson the other day having all those um uh, new measures on lockdown, so it's it's a pretty dire situation at the moment. Yeah, Europe. it is, and and this is what I'm saying about next year. There's no guarantees for um, 
an A-League as we've known it up until now again. Um, and, you know, playing out of hubs is is ugly, it's expensive, um, it's not a TV spectacle. And I think, you know, we don't have a TV deal now. Is there, do you see any hope on the horizon with that? Look, there's a lot of, uh, yes, there is there's a lot of hope on the on TV deal. The owners of, um, yeah, there's a committee set up on that as well. Uh there's uh, lots of things happening for the October start next year. Look, I wrote a paper four months ago when this started, and I said um, the biggest two years of the A-League were the first two after the NSL. We had an 18-month break, yep. and everyone missed their football, and it, everyone went to and I mean, the crowds, the TV revenue, uh, TV numbers were fantastic. So I wrote this paper, um, and I said, look, let's not do anything. Uh, until October 2021, it'll all be over by then. Everyone will have a pent-up demand. Uh, all the clubs will be able to save a lot of money. I mean, they wasted $7 million on that hub, which no one watched. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, you know, maybe I had a bit of foresight and a bit of luck in thinking, but I wrote that paper four months ago, and no one, uh, only one other club owner backed me. Um, the FFA certainly didn't. They wanted to finish the season. Um, and I and I think um, it, it was a terrible part of the season. We you know we, we lost the, our best player, a few injuries, so it didn't do us any good. We're still one game away from the grand final, though. Yeah, probably he's a good coach. I think I think the uh, problem with the hub was that um, other than the soccer diehards, no one knew it was on. Yeah, correct. And because you know, if, if, I don't know if you read the Australian uh, for six weeks now, right through the hub, they didn't have the results of any mm. of the games. Didn't have a story. There's no football writer in any of the News Corp. So they don't want us. I mean, they were forced to do it because of contracts um, doing the hub, and they were forced to do this season at a much reduced rate. Yep. But they don't want us. There's no, there's nothing on Fox itself promoting football. They're not, because it's, it's out of their register at the end of uh, June, and they just don't want it. So, yeah. you know, uh, that's why I don't think it was useful to have... Um, uh, the end of the season and and this this season coming up, which you all say it's, it's going to not be a disaster, but you know there might be some good football play. But is it going to happen? No one has been able to tell me how Perth is going to be playing in this competition. We go we go to Sydney and play a game. We come back, we got a quarantine. Yeah, yeah. I mean the, the players can't do that for nine months. No, no, absolutely yeah. not. Uh, it's. I think that people have underestimated the damage that COVID has caused. And then if you do get to a point where you can actually open up the, the ground and have fans in, how much confidence is there in the public to be in large crowds in, in confined places? Mm. Um, I think it took three years after the Spanish flu for, for people to have that confidence come back. So I think everyone's going to be affected. Um, no matter what code you are, the, the, the summer codes are already impacted. Um, quite severely, cricket and, and baseball, yep. basketball are all suffering now. Um, yep. And, you know, you're looking at having, going into a new winter season with some of these restrictions still in place. It's I don't know how you, you, you could even get to sleep at night, Tony. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah it's, it's, been, um, <laughs> it's been a very, very difficult time, especially in the last two or three months. And, you know, pressure adds. And, you know, I mean, my business is my business is mining and uh, exploration, and that's been hammered. Yeah, uh, we've had a bit of relief in the last two months, and I've been able to 
you know, uh, I, I'm away from Perth 180 days a year usually just doing my business and I haven't been able to leave since March. So my business mm. where I earn my income, which funds the Gloria, has, has, has more than halved as well. So, you know, people out there don't understand the um, the pressures that uh, a single owner has. And, yeah. and you've seen my public statements for two years. I've been very consistent. I need a partner that loves football. Yeah. I don't want a partner that doesn't love football because it, it just won't work. I mean, my passion and their... Uh, whatever reason they want other than being passionate. I mean, you just don't want to do that. You, know, you just don't want someone that's not passionate. So, and, But it's, it's very difficult because you, you, yeah, you, yeah. you find someone that's passionate and then you find out, as you did with the, the London Exchange stuff, that it's yeah. not what it seemed to be. No, it wasn't. Mm. And uh, yeah, that wasn't ever supposed to be publicised. I was over there doing DD and I would have found out yeah. um, uh, about those things, but it got leaked beforehand. You know, it makes me look like an idiot. I, I accept that. Um, but if it wasn't leaked out, it was leaked out because I told the players because I didn't want them to find out when they were in Japan. Cause, you know, you're, because you're out. honest and open, Tony. Yeah, yeah. well, that's one. Yeah, I yeah. always have been, and that's the difficulty when you are. Uh, things leak out. But anyway, uh, I've got broad shoulders. I've done it for 14 years. I want to do it for another however long I live um, yeah. and uh, be involved because I love Perth, love Western Australia, um, and I love football. You absolutely do, Tony. Um, I know because I've, I've been through it and someone close to me has been through it as well. You don't love some of the stuff that goes with it. But it's that love that drives you through the barrier. Um, I ju- and I do know you, you've got some really good people around you that look after you and, and your mental health. But don't forget to look after yourself, Tony. No, I, I will. Thank you very much. <laughs> no worries, mate. Thank you for being on this morning. It's uh, been a great interview. Thank you. Okay, no worries. Thanks, guys. Cheers, mate. Bye. Thanks, Tony. Bye. Tony Sage, um, fighting the lone fight, but, you know, look, he, he loves the game. He loves the club, uh, and, you, you know, you've always got to do that. I know there's lots of people out there that will bag him for what he does, but, you know, he's doing it, and you can't you can't fault the man for doing it. Absolutely, absolutely. And and as we said, it's it's all, you know, he's reaching into his own pocket as well. And, yeah. And like you say, until, until there's details of the new season come out, they can't sell memberships. They no. can't sell, you know. But I think it's one of the wonderful things about Perth is, you know, you don't know it until these things come up, that we, we've got um, people who are experts in COVID and, and financial experts who know how the Tony <laughs> should be running the club. We, we, I had no idea we had so many people that were experts in cryptocurrencies at the time, you know. <laughs> I don't think that's a Perth thing. I think anywhere you go, everyone's <laughs> an expert on everything. Yeah, no, but I know some of these people and they never, ever showed it before. I'm just thinking <laughs> – yeah, it's great. You know, where where were you when, when Tony really needs you to go? Oh, look, these cryptocurrencies, have you really considered about there? Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't happening. All right, we've had some uh, activity in the NPL. There's oh, in, yeah, yes, there's yes. lots so, of games so on today. In and games- the NPL, yes. So uh, last week in the NPL, um, Florida Athena had a two-one win over Armadale, Gwelup Croatia, and ECU Joondalup played a one-all draw, as did Sorrento and Coburn City. Perth put five past Rockingham City, uh, Bayswater City and Perth Glory played out a two-all draw and Balcatta hosted Inglewood United, Inglewood winning that one 2-0. Coming up this afternoon, Armadale is at home against Sorrento, Gwelop Croatia hosts Florida Athena, ECU Joondalup travel down to Dalmadnak Park to play Coburn City, Bayswater City are hosting Perth, Balcatta are hosting Perth Glory and Rockingham City are at home against Inglewood United. 
So looking at the table, and I think this table needs to be uh, framed quite nicely because Coburn's sitting top of the table. We've uh, we've gone into the second half of the table, folks. So this is all the points have been reset uh, from the first half and we've split into two halves. So the top six is Coburn, Floriot, ECU, Joondalup, Gwellup, Sorrento, and then Armidale. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, the top three go through to a finals playoff. And then in the bottom half, it's Perth Glory, Perth, Inglewood United, Bayswater City, Balcatta and Rockingham. And the top one of them, which is currently Perth Glory, will go through to the uh, fourth play, uh, fourth uh, playoff yeah, position. That's, that's how it works out in the city. Yeah. That's how, that's how it's working out this season. It's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, so it gives the teams at the bottom half to, you know, something still to aim for. Yeah. And Divi 1? And in Divi 1, so in the... Uh, Coming up, uh, sorry, last weekend. Last weekend, we probably want the Divi 1 results if we want to see them. Uh, Forestfield United and Joondalup United played out a one-all draw. Kingsway Olympic won 1-0 away to Western Knights. Mandurah City had a 3-1 win at home over Fremantle City. Quinns FC won 3-0 away to Ashfield. Sterling Lions hosted UWA Netherlands and won that one 1-0. And Subiaco AFC and Swan United played out a one-all draw. This afternoon, it's Forestfield United at home against Western Knights, Joondalup United hosting Mandurah City, Kingsway Olympic at home against Fremantle City, Sterling Lions travelling to Quinns, Ashfield travelling to Swan United, and UWA Netherlands are at home against Subiaco AFC. And the table there is Kingsway are at the top with three wins in the top half, uh, then Western Knights, Forestfield United, Mandurah City, Joondalup United and Fremantle City, and in the bottom half, Quinns are currently on top with two wins and a draw. Then comes UWA Nedlands, Sterling Lions, Subiaco AFC, Swan United, and last of all, Ashfield, who are three losses out of three games in the second in the stage. Yeah. Yeah. That happens, you know. Look, yeah, we're yeah. going this afternoon will be the, the, the battle of the cellar dwellers and That's right. you know, it'd be a lot of, a lot at stake, even though it doesn't sound like it. Well, if it, but, if we had relegation it would Certainly, be. Oh, it would have been, but then you know we played Quinns last week, and I think you know the the three goals. Yeah, the, they they did well to get their three goals, but yep, yep. it was a much more even game than it seems. And this is the trouble we've got: lots of young kids in there, and they're they're not as consistent as you'd like them to be. But where else? Where else go. do they learn this stuff? That's you know. Right. So that's the point, and you know the, the whole point of kids playing is they enjoy the game, and um, you know that. They are enjoying playing first team. We can get anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. So anyway, um, that's the State League clubs, but I'm now joined by our next guest, who is Christo Hansen, who is the president of Belia Spirit, um, truly a, a grassroots club. And um, good morning, Christo. How are you? morning yeah good thank you thank you for having me on the show no, no thank you for coming on um you know we've just been talking to tony sage probably one of the biggest clubs in the state and now just for a bit of contrast we'll talk to you about uh, a, a nice little family orientated club in in belia um how long have you guys been around um that's a really good question i don't know <laughs> the exact amount of years to be honest but yeah. um probably just over 10 years yeah. um I only got involved uh, this year. Okay. Um, so yes, like you said, uh, um, a small community-based club uh, based out of Belia Oval. Yes. Yep. And and how many teams do do you run from there? Uh, we have a total of thirteen teams this year. Um, so all in all, including volunteers, uh, just over 
200 members probably mm-hmm. as of today and it's it's really focused on the on the junior side okay so you, uh, you don't we, have we, any... we don't actually have a seniors club at the okay. moment okay no that's good and um obviously with with this year you said you came in this year um what, what are you here coming in as a president? Because I was going to say that's that's really coming <laughs> in at the top, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you start off with with a three month COVID break. How is that for you? Yeah, no, it's been an interesting year. We've learned a lot more about um, hygiene control than what we ever thought, obviously. Um, but yes, uh, the, the the previous committee, sort of on on fairly short notice, um, stood down early this year, and we were at the risk of. Of not having a club at all, so so my basic motivation was, uh, you know, having a, an eight-year-old daughter who wanted to play football yep. uh, down the road, and 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 in terms of becoming the president, I, I think, in all honesty, it's it's probably the easiest job. I I have a fantastic committee, and um, you know, there were um, uh, there were four people who turned up at the initial meeting, and and four jobs available. So um, yeah, it was it was it was quite straightforward. No, it's good to hear. It's good to hear that they're, they're driven. Um, so what are the main struggles for a small junior club in the suburbs? I think, um, look, like we talked about this year, obviously uh, managing it through a, a, a global pandemic. Um, in any normal year, I, I would imagine in other clubs as well, the, the biggest challenge is, is having enough volunteers. Yep. Um it takes a lot of hours to run a grassroots club. It's probably a lot more hours than what we had imagined as well. So having a, a dedicated and passionate committee and, and having uh, enough volunteers to do everything from, you know, line marking on a Saturday to running the canteen on a Sunday um, is is always a challenge. We're, we're lucky in that sense. We have a very sort of tight-knit and, and um, an involved community. Um, and then I think longer term for us as a club, it's it's just continuing to develop our coaching capability um, and 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 developing a senior club um, and and continuing to be that sort of um, a, a pillar of the community. I guess you can say. So, so what are your values as a club? Obviously, you've got the ambition to get teams out there every week, but do you, do you have any real values you want to be? Um, uh, a state league club, or you're just happy to be a a local community club that is just providing a pathway for kids to to learn about the game and enjoy the game. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, that's 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 who we feel we are. Um, being a, a community based club where where kids can can come and have fun, kick uh, kids at all levels. Uh, just to, to basically get out there and play and enjoy football, I guess learn fundamental skills and and make friends and um, just um, you know develop values, um, mm. fair play, respect, diversity, inclusion, um, and and if we do that, I think you know other things like developing talent and and um, you know will will come will come from that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know you, you watch it. There's um, there's lots of scouts and that hovering around <laughs> little clubs like yours. I mean, I imagine you would have Armadale, Coburn, and a few others, um, Fremantle sniffing around, at, looking at your better kids. 
Um, I personally, I, I don't think there should be any elite streaming till they're about twelve, and and up until then, kids just play through the eights, nines, and tens with their mates and and learn Absolutely. to love the game. Yeah. If you if you if you're grounded in a love for game, who knows? You, you could end up being like Tony Sage and, and being a complete romantic and spending millions on your hobby, but. <laughs> um, you know, but but that's that. But that's the point, isn't it? You know, I've I've not been a child for a long time. Well, no, my tells me I am every day. Um, but I still love it. I still love the game, and I love all aspects of the game. And that happened as a child. Not it didn't happen when I was fifty. It happened when I was a kid growing yeah. up. That I, I became ingrained and engrossed in the love of the game. And that happens out there on the grass at Belia. Mm. Absolutely, same here. And I think I've rediscovered that. This year, I grew up with football and and have sort of only gotten back into it this year in terms of being involved. And, and I was watching, I think it was our under-13s game the other Sunday, and, you know, um, it was fantastic. Uh, I wouldn't typically think that I would go and watch, you know, an, an under-13s game on a Sunday, but it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so uh, that that's really what we, we want to, to, um, to focus on. Crystal, what, what's the oldest um, age group you do have a, a team in this season? Uh, so it's under 15, under 15. this season. Yep. So yeah, and you, we have a – yeah, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, because you, you did mention, you know, you were thinking of then sort of getting a, an adult team happening in the future. So is there sort of like a planned pathway, you know, so that, that as these under 15s, I get to, you know, 16, 17s and then 18s, they don't all just disappear off to other clubs if they want to keep playing. But, you know, maybe Bielier does have a team in the, you know, the socials or the amateurs or, or you know, whatever level to start with. Yeah. For, for, for yeah. Specifically for those under 15. So you've got like about, you know, three years to plan for it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and we're, we're working on some plans around that at the moment. And, yep. and, um, and uh, hopefully we, we will have that in the next few years. I, I think that's a really important point. I think those kids also need some role models to look up to on, on a Sunday. Yep. Um, you know, having a seniors team to watch maybe after their game. And, um, I think this year we just had to sort of get the season done. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, get, get through it. Uh, we still have, have two weeks to go and, and then we can, we can start planning for the future properly yep. next year. Yeah, oh, look, I think you're not doing things too badly because you're not the first person from Belia that's uh, told me that they've rediscovered their love for the game. I was talking to someone recently who was was on the cusp of walking away from the game when he when he became involved with your club and it's turned him around. So thank you for that. Um, you spoke earlier about coach development. I, I take it that most of the coaches are dads or mums that you've kind of been um, encouraged to coach. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, are you planning to put them through the um, the the Football West coaching courses and and get them accredited and work on on that, or are you looking to bring in accredited coaches? Um, we have done some of that this year um, already. Uh, we've had uh, great support from Football West and had some of their people out. Um, for some sort of shorter term uh, type development on a Saturday, yep. um, but but you're right. You know, it's it's we're we're uh, we're reliant on 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 the mums or the dads to step up as coaches and team managers, um, and um, 
yeah, I, I think the feedback we have had this year is that uh, a lot of people have enjoyed that. Um, so, you know, we'll, in, in terms of getting sort of proper accredited coaches, I think, again, that's that's more a long-term vision for us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and other things, you, you mentioned um, about a canteen. What are the facilities like out there? You've got change rooms, club rooms, that sort of thing, or...? Yeah, we're lucky. We have great facilities. So mm. we have the uh, we have the Oval, which is in really good condition. Yep. Uh, we've had we've had great support from the city of Cobra. Uh, we have the Billier Community Centre, which is in that you know there's a little shopping village just, just adjacent to it. Yep. Uh, you know, with a coffee shop and an IGA and a news agent. So I yep. think. Uh, you know, when we have a, a busy Sunday morning, that creates a bit of a co- uh, economic activity for the for the community as well, which is which is really good. So, do, do they uh, sponsor you? No, but I guess this is my opportunity to <laughs> to, to bring that up, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, no, look, I, I think uh, again that's something we will start to to take a bit more structured approach to next year. Um, we, uh, you know, as a, as a community club, our sources of revenue are, are limited. Yeah. Uh, there's only, there's only so many sort of hot chips you can sell on a Sunday. So, um, we'll start to, to sort of look at more structured sponsorship, uh, funding and grant type opportunities going yeah. forward. And post COVID, um, sponsorships are very hard to get. Just ask the Socceroos. Mm. Um, so yeah. I think, you know, from, from the top down, it's going to be, more difficult and i think you know we jokingly mentioned about the coffee shop but if the coffee coffee shop is selling double the coffees that they would normally sell on a sunday because you're there it's a bit of leverage that you you should be able to to at least get something from Mm. yeah do you uh, christor do you need to share the ground with any other sports i know like at Coburn, I, I used to coach there, um, and and they shared with T-ball over. Well, you know, there was T-ball there in summer, and then they sort of packed that up and get the goals out. Does um does Bielia, do you, is it solely a football ground, or do you have cricket or something like that over the summer? Uh, we have cricket. Okay. Yeah. So okay. um, so they sort of obviously come in when and and this year we'll finish up a bit later yep. than we usually do. Um, so again, but we have. A uh, great relationship with the city of Colburn and, and also the two cricket clubs, uh, and, and communicating around access to the Oval. So that's that's not been an issue at all. Okay. And and other things like lighting, you've got adequate lighting. Yep, absolutely. Marvelous. Um, so we, uh, yeah, again, we we we're lucky to have to have really good facilities. Yeah, no, definitely. Look, it sounds like you're headed in the right direction and, and you're not looking to, to grow so big, um, you know, or too big too quickly or to be over ambitious. And I think that's a very, um, careful thing to do. And I think, you know, fostering of a love of the game is, is the, is the biggest part of it. Mm. I've seen a number of people through, um, the elite end where it becomes all about succeeding and, and winning and, um, you know, people are driven to become professional footballers at the cost of everything else, including being a decent human being. Um, and I think, you know, we, we've got to get some balance somewhere along the line. I read a thing from Dennis Bergkamp who said, you know, the, the only team that has to win is your first team. And the, the job of all the other teams is to develop players into being worthwhile human beings. And, and I think he's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think developing 
I guess, supporting the community in, in developing those values. Um, and, and I think also giving, especially this year, giving families sort of a, you know, especially post-COVID, we saw our memberships uh, registrations increase quite significantly straight after we came out of lockdown. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's an opportunity for families to get out and, and obviously uh, enjoy spending some time together. Um, so, so that's been been really positive. That would have been interesting because I think the climb out of COVID was very rapid, and and mm. particularly for juniors and amateurs was even more rapid than the the state leagues were. And I think within a, a space of three or four weeks, we went from having no football to having a competition. Um, given that you're a new president, new committee, how did you you cope with that? Because it's a it's an awful lot of work. It, it was. It was an awful lot of work. So. Um we, we, we just have to put the hours in. Um, again, we, we had great support. We, you know, um, from Football West, from City of Coburn, um, and, uh, and from, from many, many volunteers, um, we, within our communities. So, uh, it added an extra layer, I guess, of complexity this year. And, and we had to turn it around pretty quickly by the time we were told, you know, the season is going to start to, to when it started. Mm. Um, it just required lots and lots of hours. Um, and um, it felt a bit like we were uh, we were building the plane as we were flying, <laughs> to, to, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I suppose, look, the thing is that as you go forward, um, you, you're working in a, in a, in a big growth area. There's, you know, around Piara Waters and Coburn itself. Um, there's masses of developments and young families moving in. So you're, you're in a growth phase. Um, do you think that by keeping your fees reasonable, that's a, a good thing? I know a lot of the elite academies and that, they're charging absolute fortunes to, to coach kids. Um, but I think your your fee structures are, are fairly modest, and you know, you, you're not profiteering from children, which is a good thing. But um, you know, at the same time, you've got to cover your costs. Yeah, we do. But th- that is, I guess we we uh, we have to cover our costs. Um, we we want to continue to develop. Um, you know, being a non for profit club, we we want to hand over to another committee at some point. You know, with yeah. with healthy finances yep. um, and a foundation. And, and then I think, um, you know, uh, then I think we've done a good job if, if we can do that. Uh, we we want to keep our fees affordable. Uh, this has been a tough year for many families, I think, and uh, there's been a lot of insecurity this year. So, um, you know, we, we just want to make sure the club is financially viable in, in, in the longer term. Yeah, and, and a lot of families, you know, you've got three or four kids that you, you really don't want to be choosing between them who's going to play and who's not. So, you know, it's good that there are clubs like yours that will assist families through through those um, issues. Yeah, and that's been important to us. And, and we offer, you know, different sort of payment plans and, and flexibility around, um, you know, if you have... I think we have families who have up to four or five kids playing for us in different age groups, and that quickly adds up. Yeah, it would do. Mm. Yeah, no, no, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an enormous thing. Now, you, you're coming towards the end of the season. Your um, presentation will be on the 11th of October, I believe. 
correct, down at the Oval on the 11th, Sunday the 11th, um, our wind-up and presentations. So, yeah. so we look forward to that. So what's the format for that? It's a big fancy affair or is it just going to be um, um, a barbecue and a couple of games and trophies all round? Yeah, so informal, casual and relaxed. Lots of uh, fun activities So for the kids. So, yeah. you know, bouncy castles and, 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 and that sort of stuff. Um, obviously, some award presentations and and I guess recognizing um, everyone's contribution throughout the year. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if, um, if if people want to come down and have a chat and, and have a look at what we do, then then encourage them to, to do that on, on, on the 11th. All right. So as this season's closing in and, and you've got another season coming up next year, um, how do people get in contact with your club if they're interested in joining? Uh, just suggest they they, they uh, visit our website and, and and take it from there. So beliarspirit.org and then uh, the committee contact details, um, relevant contact details are on there and, and also on our our uh, Facebook page, which is which is linked to that. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll have a link to uh, to your site on the um, World Football Program as well. Marvelous. All right, Crystal, thank you very much for being on. Um, thank you for what you're doing down there. I think, you know, lots of people are focused at the top end of the game and I know, you know, for people like Tony Sage, that's exactly where they should be. Um, but it's nice to know that people are looking after the bottom end of it and yeah. that really, you know, the, the football tragics like myself and Pete need somewhere to, <laughs> to grow up and, and live and, and survive and, and dream about playing for the Socceroos, which I still do. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been it's been nice chatting to you. Likewise. Thank you very much, Christoph. See ya. Cheers. Bye. Yeah, Christoph from Abelia Spirit. Um, look, I think it's just nice to talk to people that are just not not unambitious, but don't get tied up in all this. You know, we're developing the next Socceroo, the next well, Messi, and the next. And that's that's one of the beauties of football. You can yeah. go all the way from the very top level to the you know the grassroots club for the um you know the under 10s having a kick around absolutely and and so much fun in it and I, i've been down and had a look at the, the, the park at belia and mm. lots of kids running around there yeah. and, and the one thing i did see was smiles on all their faces and you know it's a it's an important thing yeah. yeah i think if you if you grow the love early that's the thing get them, get them hooked early yeah exactly that's in the whole point yeah. all right um divvy two mate how's that looking ah oh, divvy two well <clears throat> Uh, top of the table there. We'll, go, we'll swap it around. We'll go through the ladder first. Uh, yeah. Car- Caramar, Shamrock Rovers, top of the table in the top group with three wins out of three. Then's Wanneroo City, Dianella White Eagles, Joondalup City, Melville United, sorry, Murdoch United, Melville, and Gosnell City. And in the bottom half, tied at the top, Kelmscott and Canning, both on seven points. Then Morley Windmills on six. Then Kingsley West Side, Curtin University, and Balga bringing up the rear. Uh, so the results from this week. Because, yep, the results from this week. Uh, Karamar, uh, Dianella White Eagles and Joondalup City played out a nil-all draw. Karamar Shamrock Rovers had a 2-0 win over Gosnells United. Wanneroo City had a 7-2 win over Mum FC. Uh, Canning City and Belga, 5-2, played out to Canning City. Uh, Kingsley Westside travelled to Morley, uh, sorry, hosted Morley Windmills. Morley Windmills won that one 4-2. And Kelmscott Ruse hosted Curtin University and had a 3-2 win there. It seems all the teams in second division have very long names, much longer than in the other divisions. 
Yeah, maybe that's why they can't get up. They're just that's right. dragged they're, down they're by the name. They're actually weighed down. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> possibly the longest fixture list, uh, fo- fixture name list here is uh, today we've got Karama Shamrock Rovers playing Dianella White Eagles, Murdoch University Melville at home against Joondalup City, Wanneroo City travelling to Gosnell City, Canning City hosting Curtin University, Belgra at home against Kingsley Westside and Morley Windmills hosting Kelmscott Roos. I'm going to have to have a word with Mark Anthony and get him to change their name. And <laughs> Gosnell's just – Gosnell's City is just not – It's, just it's not long enough, there. is it, you know? <laughs> they have to amalgamate with someone or something. I don't know. It's just not not it's, in the spirit of the league, yeah. mate. There's also four of the get teams have City in their name as well. So it's all a bit of a common theme there, really. Oh, it's, it's better than United, isn't it? You know, oh, yeah. you could – you can argue both, but um, yeah, there, there are some extraordinarily long <laughs> names in there. All righty, uh, we're going to go a break. We're going to come back hopefully with Gregor Hart. So we're back after these. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. Four great locations around Perth. We have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Auswest Fencing and Rotiron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Auswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Please don't fence me in. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Well, sorry, I had some technical difficulties with uh, getting hold of young Greg. Oh, dear. Mm. That could be a problem. How about uh, we go over the NPLW, uh, NPL women? I think we should. I think that's a good plan. <laughs> okay. Um, I seem to be having some problems getting the fixtures for the women. So I've got the under-23 fixtures, and I'm just going to run on the assumption that they line up with the NPL as well. Um, so assuming that the games are played, you know, as they normally would be. Uh, today, uh, sorry, tomorrow we have Hyundai NTC women hosting Murdoch University Melville, Northern Redbacks at home against Perth SC, Balcatter FC travelling to Fremantle City, and Subiaco AFC at home against Curtin University. Looking at the ladder there, so this is the ladder for the NPL women. Um, Murdoch University Melville sitting top of the table, with 28 points, three points clear of Perth SC in second place. Hyundai NTC women and Fremantle City, third and fourth, both on 19 points and with the same goal difference as well. Uh, fifth place is Northern Redbacks. 
Sixth place, Balcatta on 15 points. Uh, seventh, Curtin University. And last place is Subiaco AFC. Hmm. Interesting results. Yes. All right. I haven't got the results, but I've got the ladder. You've got the ladder. That's the important <laughs> thing. All right. Um, we've got Greg on the phone now, so he's joining us. Good morning, Greg. How are you? How are you going? You all right? I'm good, thank you. How are you guys? Good. I, good. I hear you've had an interesting morning already. Can I say that again? I hear you've had an interesting morning already. <laughs> yeah. You've got to find new ways no, to meet people, mate. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I, I won't like if I was struggling to hear. It's quite muffled. Oh, okay. I don't know why. It's not. That's not at my end. Um, oh, there you go. It's better now. Okay. Now. Yes, I heard you had an interesting morning. An interesting morning, yes. Yes. So, um, so I've just finished off, obviously, with uh, taking the juniors down at Ashfield and uh, on the way there, had uh, someone run into the back of the, um, our car. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. No, apart from that, good morning. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose a, a poignant time to remember everyone is double demerits this weekend, so please drive carefully. <laughs> yeah, no, we got a standstill at the lights, but someone just came straight into the back of us, so that was enjoyable. Yeah, no, those big white vans are so hard to, to see at times, aren't they? Never mind. Yeah. Um, a personal question I'll start off with first off, Greg, is how old are you? Um, I'm 25. So, yeah. 25? <laughs> Yeah. You're far, yeah. far too young to be a manager of a, of a <laughs> Divi One club. That, that just doesn't happen. Oh, uh, yeah. No, look, uh, again, I'll say again, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity to be able to do it. And, um, you know, I'd be mad to turn it down with the, the ambition I have as a, as a coach. And I, I think it's, uh, it's a great privilege to be able to do a gig at, at the age that I'm at and, and try and showcase what the youth can do and not only do that as a, as a young manager, but obviously do it with a young team around me as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what... Uh, what comes of it and, and and how far we can push it and take it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting – some people say you were mad to take the job on, but mm-hmm. um, the the team itself is extremely young. I know that this year we we don't have a promotion relegation um, as part of the, the equation, and, and it surprises me how many teams haven't tried to blood more youth. Um, yeah. Ashfield seems to have gone completely the other way, and um, – have a, a lot of kids. What's the average age in your team? Honestly, it's probably about nineteen twenty. Uh, the oldest player is is older than me, which is the captain Evans, which is twenty six. But the, the youngest, uh, the next oldest from that's twenty two. So, <laughs> um, and then the majority we've got we've got boys as young as sixteen in in the starting lineup. Um, so yeah, yeah, and and young Jake, the keeper, who is sixteen. Um, was, yeah, the, was the captain yeah. a couple of weeks back so that that says a yeah, lot yeah he was yeah and it's something that you know um, Evans was obviously uh, not able to, to play and it, it, he, he proved himself in training he's got a loud voice and uh, you know as, as Ashford has done with me we don't want to just show that it's about having experience it's about having a bit of bravery and, um, and heart and he demonstrated that so he was totally uh, merited to, to wear the armband on that day so, so no it was good to see so the the interesting thing is you, you've had some really interesting results. Um, you know, there's been a couple of four nils against people like Western Knights, and then yeah. a four one victory over Kingsway Olympic. Um, yeah, you know who are currently sitting second in the ladder or something like that. They're they're up yeah. there yeah. beat Knights the other day. You know. Yeah. No. Look. Um, obviously, since I've got involved and I've come in, come on board, it's sort of changed the style of play to what it was previously and it's been it's been hard for them to adapt to originally and the, the beautiful thing that I'm, I'm really grateful for is that the boys 
you know, seem to respect me and they, they believe in what I'm trying to do. And, and the bigger picture, as I constantly say to them, it's not about what we're doing now, it's about how we're playing and, and, and what the performances are looking like. And, you know, the feedback from a lot of the coaches that we play against is that they, they think we play, we're playing a good brand of football and that we're, you know, we're, we're trying to be a possession-based team that, um, you know, we encourage overlapping fullbacks and, and we try to really have a distinctive style of playing. The, the good thing about the players is, is that it's, it's, it, it has proven that it's worked in some, some performances as of recent. Um, since, since the lads have been, uh, it's unattainable for them to do anything now or, or play any matches with any relevance to achieving anything to finishing that bottom six that um, the, the players, you know, are, are sort of looking at, we're giving younger boys maybe have another chance, giving them a crack, seeing what they're about at the end of the season. But the, the potential of, of what can be done at Ashfield is, um, you know, I keep saying it, it's massive. It truly is massive. And with the young players that for 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 a long time and me being a young player myself and loads of young players um, out there in WA can relate to is, is that you know you may be good enough but you just don't get a chance because of the the, the old boy way that maybe is running in some WA clubs. And uh, it's really good to see those young players come in, get a chance and prove themselves. And I think that can only be built on. And, and this group of players that we know there's a, there's a lot of them staying on next year. We'll, um, we'll go on to, to only do better next year and, and actually try and uh, obviously have something to play for next year. So, yeah. Yeah, look, it's an interesting thing because, you know, opportunity is, is everything. Uh, young Jake is the, is the example of that. We had a, a goalkeeper who was in the Western Knights game um, playing as the first-team goalkeeper, got injured. Jake stepped in, played very well and hasn't looked yeah. back since. So, you know, yeah. it's it's extraordinary to get those opportunities at those ages, but the, the boys are sticking to it and they're sticking to the task. How do you keep their heads yeah. up? Because, you know, they're... I know, like last week, the the Queens game, um, first yeah. goal was, was was well taken. The second goal was really a defensive error. Uh, oh, how yeah. do you how do you yeah. lift the kids' head after that? Because he's he's probably one of you. Yeah, look, the, the big thing, the, the big thing is about morale. Like, uh, even across the the, the academy, this now, I've said, but with with so little games left, it is it's very hard to go on and try and uh, and and try and sort of put a structure onto these guys and go, look, this is the style of play we want. With with such little games left. Uh, you're not going to see, uh, you know, your patterns of play come to life so much with such little time left. So it's all about sort of just keeping them engaged and enjoying the rest of the season. And the big thing that we're uh, with with the seniors, you know, copping a, copping a loss like that, you know, they are down. It, it's not no one wants to lose a game of football. And at the at the end of full time, you know, the spirits are low. But the big thing that we look forward to is is next year. With they know that next year it's it's, it's game time and the performances against. Um, Manzan Quinch, uh, when when they won their two back to back wins, the the mentality of you know we want to we want to show what we can do and we want to try and push into that top six or we want to win the the bottom pool of the of the bottom six. You know the mentality and the, the hunger was there, but now that that can't happen, um, a lot of the boys, you know, the the mindset is that yes, we want to go out, we want to perform, we set ourselves objectives that we want six points from the next two games, including today against one. Yep. But the the big thing is is, is for these boys is, is that it's about trying to see what we've worked on in the weeks that I've come in uh, and 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 set ourselves past saying like can we achieve what we worked on in training i.e. maybe this week in training we worked on utilising um, overloads in wide areas to encourage our fullbacks to overlap can we see that happen uh, three times in this half can we see that uh, be successful because if that if that if that happens and that and what we did in training was achieved that's a big tick maybe the performance maybe the result wasn't there but as young players if we're, if we're starting to play the final play we want to achieve um, if all those things are happening now that we've got to be happy with that because 
what we've tried to do has happened. Maybe the result didn't go our way for certain reasons. Maybe it's an experience to understand the thing. But that goal against Quinn's last week, that second goal, it's an absolute school schoolboy error. It was just root one from the keeper and centre backs misjudged it. Let to be it to be fair though, it was by a schoolboy. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was. It but was but but the, but the thing is, one I'll explain it all in one word: development. Oh, a hundred percent. And and look, I think it's one thing that we really get. Uh, lost astray in here and you know for me being as young as I am that, that's what I realised as a player and as a coach I realised the amount of influence I can have as a player and, and through my experiences as a player and, and what I have and the experiences I have with different types of coaches I think it's so important and that people understand the importance of development and not so much results every every single team apart from the first team results shouldn't matter yeah. you know yeah. it should be about it should be about how they're playing it's about kids it, it's, it's about trying to breed that but I also full of kids I also yeah, see some right. other things, though, Greg. You've got some, some coaches who will say, you know, you've got to have been a professional player to know what it takes to be a professional player. And yeah, then you've got yeah. another one where you go, um, I managed to get almost to the cusp of being a professional and then these things happened. And, and some of them I know because I've seen you, you talk to a lad about um, his attitude and how he was going to defeat himself from his own dream because he thought yeah. he knew everything. Yeah, and it's, it's, I don't try to relate on what I could have done. I don't try to be like, no, I shouldn't have that dodgy knee. I could have been at Madrid, you know. I, I try and say to the to the players that I, you know, I was fortunate enough to go and experience a uh, professional environment football over in Scotland at, at Hart and Lothian in Edinburgh. And the big thing that I try to, to tell the players is, is that, you know, I got to that level and I, I think, I really, looking back at it now, I think a really big thing that let me down was my psychology and, my attitude was never really bad as a player, but I, I sort of got defeated quite easily as a player more than what I probably should have in that environment. And so, players have to understand that attitude and, and how you approach your training sessions, how you approach your games is, is massive. It's, it's what yeah. will really take you to the next level. But we do a lot of we do a lot of work with players about their technical ability. We do a lot of work with players about their fitness. We do a lot of players about their flexibility, but we don't yeah. seem to do anything between the ears. And and I and I think. You know, the development of a player psychologically, um, coaches as well, uh, administrators, and even to, to some extent, parents. But, you know, like for, for players and for coaches, media training, um, you know, little things like just talk slower so people can actually keep up with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. And, and yeah, the, these are the little things that happen so that when you, you appear on a radio show or on a, on a video or whatever, that you're, yeah. You know, speaking clearly, that the 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 words you're choosing and, and using are not the tired old, um, you know, oh, do it for the gaffer. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and oh, the, the the but the thing is, the preparation of the player is not just about the 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 kicking of a ball. It's about the whole player, his health, his mental health, his welfare. Um, testicular checks, yeah. all of those things are all part of it. And then within that, preparation for the parents to help support this kid through those things. Yeah. And sometimes it may well be that they've got to ground someone who's got his head in the clouds or yeah. they've got to pick up yeah. someone who's just made a schoolboy error. Yeah, no. Um, uh, one thing that we've we've been discussing for next year, because um, we obviously have a, we have a handful of our young coaches as well, not myself, other guys as well, and, the big thing that we're talking about next year is the importance of, of parent education, uh, not just not just what we do with the players, but obviously how, you know, I'm a big believer that we we can influence and contribute to these kids' development massively as footballers, but obviously not just about developing football.
footballers about developing good people, and it's so important that as we're developing these these young players, um, is that what, obviously their parents play a huge part in it as well. And one thing that I've noticed in um, in, in football as of recent is I don't think parents um, allow their kids to fail enough. I, I think parents set their kids up to uh, to have every avenue to success, and that that's not that's not football. Um, we get a lot of players who come in and can't handle. Um, when they're not selected or maybe they don't play as many minutes as they want and, and it's so important that young players and parents understand that they're accountable for, for where they go in their football you know I always say if there's a player in my team and I, regardless I think I don't like him as a player I don't like who he is as a person essentially but he, his ability and, and the attitude he delivers on the pitch if he's if he's given 110% and he's standing out like a sore thumb then I, I can't say no to that player and, and that's the importance of them understanding that it's everything that, that in football is is honestly in their control, whether they realise it or not. Is it is it in their control how far they really want to take it? Yeah, absolutely. And there's you know pl- plenty of players around who have been good enough who just didn't want it enough, yeah. and others that, that wanted enough who just not good enough who still made it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, a great example. Um, oh, you know, obviously you, you hear the Jamie Vardy story, you hear the Ian Wright story. One player that I always look. And because um, we do a lot of work with him through my through my business as well, is Aaron Blue. Through a lot of people who are familiar with his glory, uh, but Aaron Aaron was a late bloomer. You know, he went into the Burnley system. He was very fortunate to do that, and then he got released. Um, and he didn't sign a professional contract until he was 23 with glory after having a, uh, uh, two standout seasons at Florida. So it, it it shows that you know keeping your head knuckled down. And I'm I'm, all, I'm honestly not a big believer in an age of football but so many people go oh, you have to have done it by this age I, I don't believe in that to be honest especially in Australia where there's a framework for where you see in the, the East Coast especially a lot of the players uh, in the MPL leagues that do get picked up to, to get A-League opportunity well, What's your thoughts on running elite streams on 7 and 8 year olds? Uh, look I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's madness to be completely honest with you I, I even think that some of the elite uh, at times is overused and it's not used in the correct context. I, I think for young for young kids to like I, I get some I've had some parents who come up to me and they go, you know, it's so important that the coach is is present on game day and and, and is making notes of what's occurring on game day so they're not working at training. I'm going, you know, that that's mad to be honest. The kids need to learn the fundamental skills. They need to be applying the fundamental skills in games. They need to be enjoying themselves. Loads of touches, enjoying it. At that age, it's about learning to love the game and forward and love with the game. It's not about being able to play it from the back. It's not being able to, you know, see midfield combination play. All that sort of stuff is completely irrelevant. It's just about letting them love the game. It's about getting them engaged with the game and then get them to the point that they love it that much that they're willing to push it further, you know. And and to pick up some good basic skills. You know, I, I look at players and... You know, even in the state league, some of them can't trap a, a ball and then pass it five metres yeah, without... Well, it, say that one thing that I get this the first team boys doing at training every now and then is uh, is, is things we call juggling sets so it's, it's juggling the ball in different ways so either just doing your laces juggling solely with the internet or the outside of your foot and a lot of the players struggle but I see young kids who are 14 uh, 13 and 14 years of age that we work with and they'll go away and practice it and obviously at a young age their, their brains are absolutely sponges and they can adapt a lot quicker than an older player can and um, it's so important that they 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 pick up these skills while they're young, and it, it's so important. Like I, I see a lot of uh, state league clubs as well that where I've, where I've been involved in, or I've, I've literally just been down and, and seen sessions where I see kids who are not touching the ball enough 
their warm ups are very stagnant. They're they're doing dynamic warm ups. I'm a massive believer in as we're state league clubs that every single moment, even from under eights to first team, um, par preseason, that everything should be done with the ball because you think about the top end. They do have time where they they can spend time away from the ball and they can do a bit, you know, NAS. They can do they can work on their endurance. They can do their work on their athletic side of their game. Whereas where we have less time. Everything should be done with the use of the ball, letting them touch the ball as much as possible and, and, and trying to be um, as proficient technically um, as they can be. So I, I think the young ones especially, it's so important that every moment they're given is with the ball. Yeah, no, definitely. I don't, don't disagree with you at all there. And I think that, you know, um, particularly under eights and that, if, you, if they're running, even if they're just running in a straight line with a ball at their feet, they're running with a ball at their feet. And, yeah, yeah. and the first few times, it, it's awful. But after a while, they, they start to rein that ball into, you know, the, the half a step. And yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's good yeah. to watch. Yeah, well, it takes, it's, it's, it's 10,000 hours practice to be um, classified as a professional of a particular technique. So yeah. it shows you how much practice you have to put into in the early, you can start the better. But obviously, if you're late to the party, it just needs more work. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So um, I had a question from from Penny. Are there older players? Uh, well, there is. There's one older player than you in the team, <laughs> and and how's he finding that? Um, has it? Oh, all... look. Yeah. So so the, the, so Evans obviously is our oldest player. Twenty six. Um, Evans is brilliant. Honestly, um, as a captain, uh, you know, I've played myself. Uh, the coaches are involved at the club. I've played themselves in the past as well. You know, we've all been exposed to captains and uh, I'm not just saying this because he's you know he's, he's the, the captain that represents the club um, and that obviously represents me as well but he, he's, he's he's brilliant the way that he he handles the players the professionalism and his his number one is not about him it's about giving back to that club yeah. it's about giving everything he can to that club and, and making sure the players do the same as well and I think he's a great teacher I think some of these kids sometimes and, and one thing that honestly is a downfall that I've noticed of, of having maybe maybe one or two more senior players off the setup is there's that when there's a, a degree of emotional uh, immaturity, um, you need a couple more older players to to stand next to Evans and go, no, look, Evans is right. That is how it should be. Where you've got a lot of kids that maybe, you know, get that pack mentality that go, you know, no, but that isn't how it should be. But Evans is um, Evans is brilliant. He, he is 26. He's still young himself, to be completely honest with you. But... Um, he he's a he's a brilliant leader, and I know he has found it, it difficult at times this year because it's a very uh, unique environment for someone to be placed in. It's not your standard team, you know. It's it's it's, it's a different setting for a captain to be involved in, where you have that many younger players. Um, he, he, I think, there's a bit more on his shoulders to to lead these players the right way uh, for them being so young. So uh, we'll get back to the the youth side of it though. Yourself at twenty five should be playing. You've got another what ten years in you playing yeah. at least. Um, so yeah. so what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, um, my my dad uh, lets me know this pretty much every week. He's asked me to put the boots back on. Um, I do miss it. I, I miss it greatly. I, I always think, you know, should I be playing? And people even say to me, you know, why aren't you playing? Why aren't you sign yourself off and play for Arsenal? You know, I have considered it, but. I'm not a believer in the player manager. I'm not believe. I'm not a believer of being a player manager at the age I am. I, I'd rather, you know, I, I for years as a player was kept out the kept out the 
the, the system uh, was kept out of the first team purely maybe because I was a younger player and I don't want to do that to another player and I know what I can I know the, the influence I can have on the coach and my passion lies with coaching the, the moment I first stepped into coaching I realised that, that everything that I'd maybe done in football led up to me to, to do this and um, I, I feel I can control more and I can have more influence as a coach as what I could as a player and I do miss it a lot um, but to be completely honest with you, I absolutely love coaching and I think maybe that's rare for, for someone who's young, but mm. I've got an absolute um, obsession with coaching and you know, I do it every day and I love it. So yeah. I, I do miss playing, but I, I wouldn't say that it's uh, I regret not playing uh, because I, I get uh, a great degree of enjoyment out of coaching. Yeah, well, I know the um, the team that you've got and I, and I know the position you played when you were playing and as a player manager, you'd be hard-pressed to pick yourself, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's just the easy way out, so <laughs> you, you might have to work harder as a player then. <laughs> so the the, cha- the challenges though for for you now is obviously this this season has been a very experimental season, um, yeah. and yeah. obviously the it's a, a society exper- ex- experiment which has, has succeeded at times and failed at others. Um, yeah. How do we how do you address that going into next year to to make sure because the the last thing you want to be is in this position next no, year where absolutely. you where you're in the bottom two and yeah. Division yeah. one is very, very competitive. You've already proven yeah. that you can beat the team that's at the top of the league, and I think you've beaten yeah. more teams in the top six than you did the bottom six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's kind of odd, though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, um, look, no, to, to honestly answer that question is when I've come in, it's, it's been quite an emotional entrance. There's, there's been a lot going on, um, uh, and you know the players have sort of been unsure of the future of what's going on, and obviously we're only coming in really with what was it eight games remaining. Um, it was, it, it, it's been difficult, but the one thing that I've said to the players, and it's something that I'm massive, I'm a massive believer on, is standard. It's standards, uh, and having non-negotiables and saying, you know, um, our standard is, is that, one, home games, we do not lose at home, that's a standard. We do not lose two games on the bounce, that's a standard. Mm. Um, a standard is, is that you give 110% of every single opportunity for you to represent this club, that is a standard. Yeah, you can be late to training, yeah, these guys have jobs to work. Yeah, you might be sick some days. That's understandable. But absolutely no reason can you not give us 110% and can you not agree against the non-negotiables. And those standards next year will be a lot firmer. We've had a little bit more leeway this season because of the circumstances that the club's had. But next year, um, it's going to be a lot firmer and a lot stricter. You know, myself playing at the MPL and also being able to play in the, in the State League. I, as a player, um, I will honestly say that playing in the State League is harder than playing in the MPL every single week. Teams want to to go up, you know, in the NBA, it's similar to the Premier League and the Championship. Obviously, standards are massively different, but the concept of being in the NPL is is that you know where you're happy to settle. You're happy, you know, if you're a Perth Azuri or you're a you're a Florian Athena or you're a Basel or you're even a Gwell up these days, you want to be in that top four. You know that's the standard. Whereas maybe you're a lower side that's just been promoted, and you know you just want to survive in your first season or you want to finish big table. Whereas everyone in the state league wants to go up. Mm. Every single club wants to go up. Whether they just got promoted or whatever, you know, they want to go straight to the top. And that's why it's so much harder, I think, in the state league. And that's what players have to understand. That it's brutal. And you have to be, you have to roll up the sleeves. You have to give everything every single week. Because if you don't, we don't have time for that. It's a, it's a cutthroat industry, even at, even at the level we're at, you know. So, so yeah. 
It's interesting, though, since the introduction of the NPL, uh, both Division One and Division Two have have increased in in their um, competitiveness, and and they've become much stronger because of it. And and people like Western Knights and Gwellup, as Division yep. One clubs, have won the, the the cup, and they've they've competed in the FFA Cup. Oh. So yeah. you know all of these things show you just how strong those those lower yeah. leagues are. Uh, I, I, yeah, one thing that I'd like to add on that, that I think is so important, you you saying that as well, is, is that for any any young player that's listening or any young player that um, that I ever give advice to is is you know I get some of the boys that we've got Ashfield are top young players like you'll see Kalen Magic. He's eight, uh, he's sixteen years old, plays centre back, starting every week and you know, plays ninety minutes, and it's fair credit to him because he completely deserves it. But he. Um, you know, he's, he's got clubs in his ear, MPL clubs, and the first thing I say to him is I go, Kalen, if you're going to go and they're going to promise you every single minute of every single match, then, you know what, fair play to you. I understand that, you know, as a player you want to go and you want to go push yourself at a higher level, but being a young player where there's points involved in the MPL where you can go under the point system, there's a very good chance, you know, you can, you can get sold a dream and unfortunately maybe it's not fulfilled. And I think it's so important that young players who are in that under-20s MPL setup who have their eyes set on becoming a professional, let alone playing in an MPL first-team environment, need to understand that playing mm. first team football is 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 the is the peak. That's where you want to be. Whether it's state league two or it's MPL, you want to be you would rather be playing in a first team environment because as of me being a coach now and from understanding coaches in the past that you're more credible if you've had first team experience than being an under twenties player. Uh, and I think that's one thing that the mindset has to change a little bit of young players is is to understand that just because you're playing MPL 20, it's a very hard gig to get into an MPL first team. They need to consider these options, and I would consider them earlier uh, rather than later. Well, one of your players, um, he, he told the lads during the season, I think you may or may not have been around at the time, but um, he was at one of the MPL clubs last year, paid his full fees, was promised the world, um, didn't see one yeah. single game, but he did lower their point score, but never once played. Now, yeah, that's great, but I've never yeah. seen a player get better by not being out in the park playing. And you've got to play at the highest level you can, no matter yeah, how old you are. Um, and I think yeah. you know, as a sixteen-year-old playing first team as in a key position such as the centre half, who's yeah. now got a sixteen-year-old goalkeeper behind him, and I don't think his yeah. centre half partner's much well, older than him. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, anyone who's down today, the, the two centre backs and, the, uh, and the, the goalkeeper are 16, 16 and 17. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I, I know when we played. When we played Sterling, the two centre backs age combined still didn't didn't get to the age of the one centre forward they had. So you know, uh, it, it's yeah. incredible stats. I mean, he, he's probably got socks older than they, them kids, but they they yeah. both independently yeah. played very well no. on him and and a lesson. When you when you're playing against a quality centre half, even if he is in his late thirties, um, yeah. you know, is is an experience you're not going to get playing in the twenties. Yeah, mm. yeah, no, and, and uh, the one thing that I think is really going to drive these boys on it, and I feel to do well, is, is that they want to prove a point. You know, one thing is that we we always say is let's prove let's prove that youth is the way. Uh, it's one thing that we always say to each other, and I think it's so important that these boys understand as well is that if you're successful here at Ashfield. And we can do this, and we can, you know. It, uh, it would be great to see ourselves get promoted next year, and, you know, we're, we are just going to aim for the stars. Um, but if these boys can get themselves promoted, they would have promoted themselves into an NPL environment on their own, where they, you know, potentially would have got told, 
previously that, yeah, we, we're going to play, and maybe, as you said before, you know, they don't get played, whereas if they get promoted, they're going to be part of that journey. They're going to be a part of that that squad that proves to everyone that they could have done it. So yeah, I think that's what really, that really drives these players on for next year is, is, is understanding that, you know, there's, hope, there's good players around. We've proven that we can beat top teams, and um, I think that they, they really believe that there's good things on the horizon because, as I said to them, you don't believe it what you're doing here. Uh, and it, it's really good to see the response that we've had. Yeah, look, with with the amount of points you would have with the current team, if, if you took that into the NPL next year, um, you'd, yeah. be, you'd be able to recruit a 100-year-old international from overseas and still <laughs> not break the points barrier. So, you know, it's it's good. And I, and I think, yeah. you know, the, the club motto this year has certainly been if you're good enough, you're old enough. And, and that, it's yeah. nice to see that that's gone through to the coaching yeah. staff as um, well. Um, that's something, you know, I'm um, sitting down with uh, the president for sure is, is, is that – one thing that I think is really important that I've said to him uh, with me being involved is I want to have clear, divine values for these players to understand that it's something that we believe through the club from the youth through to the seniors and it's something that is encouraged all the way through because, uh, you know, I, I think it's so important that these players understand that, that you're not just here for yourself, you're here to represent the club and if you do right by the club, you'll be successful as an individual. You know? Absolutely. Greg, it's been it's been great having you on. It's great to hear the enthusiasm in your mm. in your voice and and the way you you talk with such passion about things. Maybe just one snort of the Colombian marching powder before you come on next time would help. But you know, <laughs> 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 uh, no, look, it's, it's great great to have you on. Um, yeah. But you know. It, it's nice to see a club that's prepared to give kids a, a real crack. And they, they've all stood mm. up this year and, and done it on their own. And, you know, the, yeah. great kudos to those boys because you forget at times that they are yeah. very, very young. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, I'm a big thanks to you guys for having me on here. Um, you know, it's, it, it's great to, to be able to, to speak and uh, speak on behalf of the club. And, you know, I only hope going forward that we, we can bring a point and make a statement in WA football. And I think with the hard work that's going on behind the scenes, um, it will be a process. But I'm a, I'm a massive believer that we can do it and we can get there. There's enough hunger and passion in the group to do it. And, uh, and yeah, well, big thanks again. And uh, hopefully today will go well for us. But regardless, it's, uh, it's just a good opportunity to, to yeah, play football. Big, big game down there at um, Francis Street Reserve where, you know, the, the two bottom sides will clash. And, um, yeah. I think if you go down there for the independent, if you go down and watch, you, you find it hard to believe that this was the bottom of the league because they're both good sides. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's honestly been a roller coaster of a season, and it's another thing in state league football is anyone can beat anyone in the day. So that's been shown, and uh, it's just about being consistent. So the boys know that there's a standard. We've already set the standard. We want six points for the next two games, but uh, we'll be disappointed if we don't get that. So hopefully, we get to it today. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, no worries, guys. Thanks again, and uh, enjoy your weekend. We'll do. See ya. Yeah. Uh, Gregor Hart from from Ashfield, a very excitable young man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, look, it's, it's nice that he's got the passion and and the yeah, excitement absolutely. about it. You know, when you talk to him, you just you can hear it; it just bursts out of him everywhere. You know, yeah. It actually, remind made me think of the uh, the Ange Postacoglu uh, book I read, where he was saying the same thing. Where yeah, he was he was organized. He sort of fell into the coaching position, you know, and even from under fourteens, he was the guy. You know, organising yeah. the team and just being the coach was the natural path for him more than being the player. Yeah, and I think that the same things happened with Gregor in, in, a, in, a, in a different way, but organically as well. He had a couple of injuries and he's been coaching around the for a while. So he was coaching at Glory. He's coached yeah. them, some of their junior teams. And um, 
he's he's decided quite early that he was going to make a career out of football and coaching is part of it. He's he's got his own football academy that he runs, um, and that was has provided him with a living. But he wants to coach first team, and this really helps him yep. achieve that. And yeah, he's I mean he's living the dream really. Yeah, anyone anyone who can make a living out of it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yeah, you know, it's not making a fortune, but you're saying that the um, the Ashfield coaches aren't sort of you know driving around in Benzes. No, definitely not. Beans flipping burgers, though. I tell you, <laughs> but yeah. no, no. Look, if you love the game and you're willing to invest the time and and the passion in it, and that's what he does, and I think yeah. that's you know why we're we're fortunate we got him. And um, as I say, very young young coach yep. with a very young team. Yep. And see how he goes over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Make a note of the name. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> Alrighty, um, we've got young Derek Pollock coming up shortly. Did you manage to find the um, the results, or you, uh, oh, you give did. up? Did I you? I did. I was very kindly notified by Penny yeah. of the results. So from the women's NPL this week on Wednesday night, Subiaco AFC had a two nil win over Fremantle City. Um, on the Friday night, Mum FC had a 1-0 win over Northern Redbacks. And then on the Sunday last week, uh, Perth SC hosted Balcatta and Bel- uh, sorry, uh, Curtin, and Curtin won that one 2-1. And the Hyundai NTC women had a 4-2 win away to Balcatta. Marvellous. All right, so we're going to go to a quick break and we'll be back after that with Derek Pollock, who's going to run through some of the... Um, transfers in Europe over the last few weeks. So we're back after these. Okay. Hi, I'm Rose, a junior trainee at Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. I am the fourth generation of our family business. Oswest Fencing is built on 50 years of experience, creating unique fencing and gates and servicing the West Australian community. Let us help you secure and refurbish your home or business with customised materials and automation made to laugh. Ring us on 9258 6822 to discuss your ideas or visit our online galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Station sponsor. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Now, during the week, there's been some some big news in, uh, news in the transfer market and players moving around, some of the biggest players and, and biggest names in, in Europe. And the man who's got his finger <laughs> on the pulse for us, as always, is Derek um, Pollock. Derek, good morning. How are you? Morning, Sean. Morning, Pete. I'm good, thank you. How are you guys? Good, mate. Um, some interesting transfers over the last few weeks or the, the last week especially um, Gareth Bale after all the talk of him going to different clubs he's gone back home Yeah absolutely Gareth Bale we wondered if he was ever going to get out of the golf courses of Madrid for um, until his contract expired but it turns out that um, there are some good um, putting greens in London as well <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Yeah so this one's a really costly exercise for Madrid actually because he's on I think you know it's it's almost half a million a week uh, from Madrid. And he was, just before the COVID shutdown, a Chinese club offered uh, Madrid basically a zero transfer fee purchase of Gareth Bale, but would take all of his wages off, off, off Madrid's wage bill. And then he'd go play in China. And Gareth Bale agreed to it. And then right at the last minute, 
uh, Florentino Perez, the um, the president of Real Madrid, decided that no, 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 they, they now want to transfer the fee as well as them taking the wages and put a stop to it, um, which was extremely costly because now that he's gone to Tottenham, it's a loan deal where Madrid continue to pay 60% of his wages. <laughs> That's frightening, isn't it? You know, but having said that, for for Tottenham fans, what what a mouth watering uh, experience there! You've what a, what a front line. Yeah, yeah, it's got the potential to be extraordinarily exciting. But you know, if Gareth Bale can find his way off the injury table, which he currently is on, uh, which <laughs> I mean, there has been rumours though that apparently this one is more just a. We'll keep you off for a while just so you can avoid the next international break that's coming up and then you can start afresh um, when, when that international break is over. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens when he does actually get out in the park because apart from playing golf, he's not done a lot of football and he is um, on the wrong side of 30. So um, still to be seen whether or not he can live up to all the hype. Yeah, I mean, he's 31 at the moment, so maybe that might take a bit of an edge of his explosivity. Um, having said that, he's you know when players get to that age, uh, a sort of burnout really starts to kick in, which you'd like to think won't be evident with Gareth Bale, given uh, the usual requirements for burnout of playing a lot of football haven't been uh, met in his in his circumstance. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, Luis Suarez, um, big mate of of Lionel Messi, and you know, is that going to come back to bite them or? <laughs> Uh, yeah, lovely choice of words. Um, <laughs> Delib- oh, look, this, a deliberate choice this, of this, words. <laughs> yeah. This whole summer for Barcelona has just been one they really just want to put a line through, move on from, and then attempt to expunge from their memory as quickly as possible. Uh, but it just keeps going on and on and on for Barcelona. Uh, so they basically they put out a list of players that are untouchable. He very clearly wasn't on that list. Uh, he then wanted to try and move. He was just saying to Barcelona, oh, why don't you just pay me out and then I'll just go. So what I think ended up happening apparently was that they gave him a list of clubs that he wasn't allowed to join and they would almost let him go on a free transfer and they all just pay the difference of, of wages, whatever the new contract he signed yeah. for the final year of his Barcelona deal. Um, he then sort of agreed in principle a deal with Atletico Madrid uh, Barcelona had forgot to put Atletico Madrid on the list of, of clubs he wasn't allowed to join. So the lawyers got, got involved. Uh, Barcelona forgot who their title rivals were. Uh, and eventually, legally, I think the experts came in and said, look, you've got to let him go. But this wasn't before uh, he made some sort of flirtations with Juventus. Uh, because Serie A have the two non-EU transfer window per policy rule, he had to try and get an Italian passport through his wife. Yeah. Uh, this led to an awkward situation where he had to sit an Italian exam in Italy. Uh, he passed it, but then allegations were made out that he actually knew the answers before he got the questions. <laughs> and so there's several members of an Italian university that are now under investigation for, uh, yeah, for wiretaps and giving him a little bit too much information. But still a hell of a free transfer. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the front line of... Diego Costa and Luis Suarez would sound amazing if it was still 2016. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. They're both on the wrong side of 30. Uh, Suarez has had some knee issues. If they can both stay healthy, then it's definitely a scary front line. Uh, and I wouldn't want to defend it, both physically and, and ability-wise. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, health will definitely be the major factor because Diego Costa in, in last season looked a shadow of his former self. Absolutely. 
Um, there's been a couple of good moves in other areas. Eduardo Mendy. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, look, this whole Kepa saga has just just continued to play out, hasn't it? There hasn't been an end to it. Initially, I was extremely sceptical um, about, you know, people... It became very, very easy and, and very lazy for pundits just to sort of say, oh, Kepa's terrible. They shouldn't have spent this much money on Kepa. Uh, you know, and and so sometimes, you know, a lot of the goals he concedes, I was sort of questioning whether or not it is because his form has plummeted or if he had a defence in front of him, which were giving the opposition far too many open looks at goal. I think it's a little bit of both. But, I mean, you can't argue at this point after the last few weeks and the end of last season that Kepa's form has just absolutely fallen off a cliff. Yeah. And so, yeah, they've got the, the new goalkeeper in, um, ostensibly to replace Kepa. Uh, but again, you know, what will be interesting to see is how Chelsea manage this. You know, are, are they going to try and sell Kepper? Because if they do try, it will have to take a, a massive cut off the, the fee that they gave that they bought him for originally, which was upwards of seventy million euro. Absolutely, no. Look, it's, it'd be an interesting move, but they they're not have much luck with keepers, have they? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know if it's too early, perhaps, to to sort of move on from him, given yeah. that. There is a precedent for Spanish goalkeepers coming to Premier League, struggling initially and then um, fighting form. I mean, David De Gea is the perfect example of that. Having said that, De Gea is naturally more suited to being a goalkeeper. He's significantly taller than Kepa, which definitely helps. Yeah. Uh, and maybe Kepa just needs to get a bit of fresh air somewhere else and go on a bit of a loan spell for a season, get his confidence back. Yeah, maybe. Um Wolves have done all right though. They they got rid of Diego Jossa to to Liverpool for for a good a goodly sum of fifty three mil. Yeah, no, that was um, a, a fairly a fairly decent return. Um, forty was it forty million pound, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, forty one. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So so that's a good a good good sale there. Um, and to be fair, they I mean he was quite a good player. He was never I never felt that he was sort of first choice at the club. So getting that sort of money for a rotation options quite good, and they've got some young players coming through replacing them. They've got um, Daniel Podence coming through as well, who's got an assist in both the games. And, so, and they, so, yeah, I mean... And they spent 20, 28 million on uh, Semedo coming in, so, you know, they, they've invested it straight straight back into a player as well. And and they have needed... Yeah, the... They need a right back. The, the, the continued attempt to turn Wolves into Portugal's first team continues with the purchase of um, uh, Nelson Semedo from Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, but look, he's, um, he was a right back that never kind of hit his stride at Barcelona. Never really looked like he was going to be... I mean, well, I mean, to, to sum it up, uh, Sergio Roberto, who was a holding midfielder, became a right back yeah. because uh, Ruben, uh, Nelson Semedo didn't quite do enough at Barcelona. But I think the system that Wolves play will work more to Semedo's strengths and mitigate a lot of his weaknesses uh, defensively uh, with his ability to go forward in the, in the system that Wolves play. So I think that could really suit him a lot better. Yeah, definitely. And, and Thiago going to Liverpool. Oh, phenomenal bit of transfer um, for Liverpool there. They, they, Liverpool had a really tidy transfer window, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah Thiago, Thiago adds a lot to, to Liverpool because Liverpool had a system, really, where the entire purpose of midfield and the makeup of the midfield was just sort of press, 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 win the ball back, pass it off, and almost all the creativity for Liverpool's attacks came from their wing backs and their front three. Uh, but then adding that big cater with a full season behind him, 
adding Thiago adds that level of creativity that they kind of lacked in the midfield before. But Thiago is also quite good at the defensive end of the game as well, and he he sort of he's very good off the ball, and so he adds that defensive nous without, but also adds the tactical side of the game, which really um, just. Yeah, it, it creates um, a lot more of an unpredictable Liverpool side um, for the opposition. Absolutely. Has that added extra that you know, only money can buy in as much as Man U were chasing him and he went to Liverpool? And and I don't think they'll, they'll celebrate that for, for very long. <laughs> yeah, no, apparently he, Liverpool was... Um, Man U would definitely mention the conversation, but um, for what I've heard, Liverpool were very much his preferred option from the beginning. And, and you can understand why. I mean... You know, not, not many, you know, Manu is not the attractive prospect it once was, uh, to people who have an idea because no one really there has an idea. And, and so, yeah, Liverpool is always going to be going to win that one. Absolutely. Now, um, the, the Bournemouth fire sale continues. Um, and they've, they've just picked up 28 million for Callum Wilson from Newcastle, from Newcastle. That's not bad bit of business for Newcastle either. Yeah. Newcastle have had uh, a strange window. It's strange because it's been good. Usually they just sell off all of their best players, buy some subpar replacements, and then pretend that they're, they're as good as they were, pretend that they've invested what they were. Perhaps it's Mike Ashley's attempt to make the club more um, sellable, saleable. Um, so he's yeah. trying to get out of the club, and he wants someone to come in and buy it. So spending a little bit of money to make sh- to ensure that they stay up uh, is, is definitely one of the ways to do that. Um, last season, I think... Um, no one had as many, or, or rather, the extra expected goals was one of the lowest in the Premier League, which is extremely concerning. So adding adding Ryan Fraser, adding Callum Wilson, adding Jamal Lewis definitely helps to make uh, Newcastle a much better outfit. Absolutely, despite you, not doing much against Brighton on the weekend. Any other transfers that um, stick in your in your mind? Uh, Bertrand Traore, um, oh, yeah. Aston Villa, yeah. bought him from from Lyon in um, Liga, and that's, for me, that's a, a really tidy bit of business. It was only about £17 million, and for a player who tore up the, um, France for a few years and did quite a bit of damage in the Champions League to get in for that sort of price, a lot of people might remember him from the sort of Chelsea Academy days. And so, yeah, that's, um, that adds, you know, post-lockdown in England last season, um, after the, the coronavirus epidemic, um, Aston Villa actually managed to fix their defence and they had a really, I wouldn't say watertight defence, but they were one of the better defensive teams in the league in the post-lockdown era and they just couldn't score a goal. And so adding Bertrand Traore, adding Ollie Watkins, um, those two signings for me um, really helped them to sort of improve as a team and make their ability to stay up uh, more likely. Yeah, it seems a bit of a strange year as well because I think they've extended the the transfer deadline and and the season started earlier. So it, you know, we're this far into a season and we're still making little deals here and there. It's quite um, interesting. Who do you think needs to strengthen their their team, or who do you think needs to be sold on quickly? Uh, Man United definitely need to do a lot. Uh, they, they, you know, that it's been shown they've only played one game, but I mean, it was clear before the season started. They need to do a lot of work. It's clear since the season started that they still need to do a lot of work. They need to add some quality at centre-back. Linda Loftus isn't good enough. Harry Maguire is far too slow. Uh, and they've got really no depth up front. You know, yeah. you, you, you want to compete in as many competitions as they are. You want really six plays for those three positions. They've got about four that are of, of, of the quality required. And so, 
you know, they keep having this bizarre negotiation tactic with Jaden Sancho of offering less than what Dortmund want later yeah. than what Dortmund wanted it and somehow being surprised when they don't accept it. Yeah, just, it it's, yeah. A winning amusing. strategy if ever I heard one. Yeah, no, it's quite interesting. Yeah, exactly. And Harry, Harry Maguire, is he, he's slow, but then the, the addition of an ankle bracelet is going to slow him down even more. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and that's the other thing, you know, is how is he going to function this season with this looming court case, you know, over his head? You know, the sort of Damocles is hanging there and he, he sort of, he, will that affect his ability on the pitch? If so, then they need to get some more defenders in. You know, you've got Eric Bailly, who was once a good defender, but unfortunately he's made of cotton wool. Uh, Lindelof, you know, as a shot against Crystal Palace, just really isn't isn't quite there. Um, Phil Jones hasn't been good enough for years. Chris Spalding wants to go to Roma. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're, they're haggling over a million or two when they could just get him out. That You know, that million or two that they're haggling over will be his, more than the cost of his, or less than the cost of his wages anyway. So it's just, there's just no one really. It just doesn't seem as though there's anyone with a sort of coherent plan at Man United. And, I mean, I, from the outside, it seems easy to fix. You know, get someone in who's got a bit of nous and, and a bit of an understanding and, and have some consistency. But, yeah, they just don't do it. And I think um, Edward would, you know, as, as poor as his decision-making has been frequently, just really like the kind of the thrill of the purchase. It, it, that's what it seems like from the outside. And he just wants to hold on to that because that's kind of where he gets, I don't know, his power needs met perhaps. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it is doing dam- huge damage to, to Man United. And, you know, tonight they're, they're playing Brighton, who are a side you can't take easily. Um, you know, they should beat them, but that's should in a normal world. Um, a loss tonight would, would be devastating for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, it's one of those ones where I, on, 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 on the low, I, I almost fancy Brighton um, tonight. Uh, but I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if United do a job on them just because United have those players that on the night, if they decide to turn it on, they can they can beat anyone. But how frequently do they decide to turn it on? But Brighton's um, quite an interesting, interesting team and they've got Terry Lamptey at right back. And I just, I think he needs to be, I don't know what the opposite of a cautionary tale is, but he needs to be sort of the inspiration for young players because he was at Chelsea. He wasn't getting a look in the first team. He felt he was good enough, and he just wasn't getting a chance. He went, "All right, I'm off. I'm going to go to another club where I'm going to get a I'm going to get a game." And he's gotten the game. And every time he got the ball against Newcastle, he looked like he was going to create something. And more players need to not just waste away in an under twenties of, of 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 a big six club and need to go and move to a smaller club, get their first team football, and and you know develop to their full potential. Funny enough, we just said that about the State League. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, it's not limited just to the Premier League. No, it's not. And I think, you know, opportunities are are there and you can, as you said, sit in a big team and have a, a, a decent wage and a, and a reasonably comfortable career without even kicking a ball in anger in the first team. Hmm. But it, that's not what you're there for. And I think every player should play at the highest level they can, and no one's ever got better by sitting in the back room and doing nothing. Well, I mean, Jaden Sancho is another perfect example yeah. where he was at City, he wasn't getting a chance, he felt he was good enough, he said, right, I'm off. He went to Borussia Dortmund, and now people are talking about a £120 million transfer fee. So, you know, that shows when you, when you put your faith in yourself and believe in yourself and say, no, I'm going to make it happen. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you see it so often. Um, I think another Man City player did that. He left the organisation he was with, went, played first team elsewhere, and then City came back in and bought him for a hell of a lot of money. But that's how it goes. And if, you, if you're not getting out there in the shop window, no one's seeing you, so therefore you, you're not getting what you need. All right. Derek, thank you very much for your um, your breakdown on that. Um, be interested to see what happens. Who are you? Oh, your boys have got um, Leicester, haven't they? Say again, sorry. Sissy, you've got Leicester. So you do have Leicester. That's right. Yeah. So that'll be a pretty fascinating encounter. Um, Brendan Rogers seems to have solved some of the issues that they had uh, late um, after the lockdown last season. Yep. Uh, because when they yeah address that lack of depth really and and. Depth will be the key word, I think, this season, given that we're trying to compress a, a normal season size into a season length that's five weeks shorter. Yeah, absolutely. No, be, be an enthralling game, that one. Best of luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. Thank you for being on. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Sean. Thanks, mate. Cheers. All right. Um, coming in towards the end of the show now and um, – just a reflection over it. I mean, I thought the, the stuff with Tony was was very good. It was, yeah, it was. And I mean, it's it's great to hear as a Glory supporter that the owner's a Glory supporter as well. If yeah. you know, if you know what I'm saying, you know? I do. I look. I often wondered about it, and then went to Brisbane to the final. Yep. And we were. I was in the the lead of a, a group of about three hundred of us walking towards the ground, and we walked past this bar that had um, an open window, and Tony Sage is in there hanging out of the window with all the boys singing <laughs> singing all the glory songs. And at that point, yep, he's a fan. Yeah, um, he wasn't in the corporate stuff pre-game. He was out there with the the fans just lapping up the atmosphere. Fantastic, and that's you know. For, for me, that's that's the Tony Sage I know uh, and respect, and I think you know, yeah, some of the other stuff, um, the the London Exchange, uh, he's not shy about it and, yeah. and not touchy at all. And I think you know, you you could ask those questions of other people, and they would just bounce back at you and, and you know give you sour looks and all sorts of things. Yeah, but no, exactly. he, he no, didn't. He, he wore it. He knew what was going on. I mean, in yeah, he he was doing his due diligence. But he told the players, look, this is where we're at, this is what we're doing. And it leaked out that group, and I think that disappointed him. Yeah. But, you know, look, overall, you've, you've got to admire what the man does. There's very few of us, um, if we had the money, would be able to do what he does or do what he does. Um, and, you know, we've got to remember that's his family's inheritance that he's yeah. feeding uh, into that. Just uh, breaking news this week, apparently a Chinese company has agreed to buy the Newcastle Jets. Yeah. So, again, as, as Glory supporters, we've still got a local owner owning us and – yeah, but yeah. the thing is with the local owner, he, he sticks to the values. He doesn't want to change the colours. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't yeah. want to change the yeah. name. Now, that yeah. Chinese club will come into the Jets and who knows? And yeah, it come, know what's might become the Huawei wireless. <laughs> I don't know, you know. But it could do, couldn't yeah. it? You know, and that's 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 the thing. We, um, I think at Cardiff it happened. Yeah. Um, Cardiff played in blue for years and all of a sudden this bloke's come in and he's, he's put them in red or something. I can't remember now, but they oh, messed with, mess with the heart, same thing. Mess with the club colors yeah. and, you know, lost a lot of people. So, you know, we, we've got a, a, our number one fan is the owner. And yeah. I, I, you know, can't stress that enough. I think it's, it's very, very important. Um, Belia, 
I think the thing coming through from Belia was that they're, they're teaching kids to love the game yeah. and irrespective of whether you're a professional footballer making a living out of it or you're just an eight-year-old kicking the ball around dreaming of being a professional, as long as you love it, that's well, the important that part. That was it. Their, their focus was very much on, you know, getting the kids enjoying the game. Yeah. There, there didn't seem to be any discussion of, you know, we, we're planning to get this kid playing, you know, NPL or picked up. Yeah, and it's just here's a bunch of kids that are enjoying, you know, we're giving them an opportunity to play football. Absolutely. I suppose, look, if you look at the, through that, the whole thing, the passion has been the driver through the show today because you've got um, Gregor Hart out there at Ashfield who's obviously very yeah. passionate yeah. about things and can't speak you know, can't speak slowly it's all about it he has to get all these words out in a big rush but it's great that that passion is there and then you've got um Derek who is very passionate about his football and and just the savant when it comes to the European stuff <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah now look for those of you at home thank you very much for listening I really enjoyed today's show um thank you Pete for being on um Lenny's with the jazz program very very shortly Penny will be back next week with her show, and um, we'll keep going on. I think we're until late November, isn't it? It is late November. All righty. So that's been the World Football Program. I'm Sean Kelly. Um, whatever you're doing, get out there and watch a game this afternoon. Um, thank you for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.